Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I feel uh, like I I feel like I could um become Canadian. What? Um yeah. if I you just tried that hard vibe enough at all. What do I what vibe do I have? Like you're from fucking Florida. <laughs> ah, fuck you. <laughs> I'm Alex Higley and I'm Lindsay Hunter and, and I'm, I'm a writer, writer but <laughs> Welcome to I'm a Writer, but today we have Sarah Flemington. Sarah Flemington is the author of the novel Egg Island. Her work has previously appeared in publications such as Subterrain, The Humber Literary Review, The Feathertail Review, and Paper Darts, among others. Sarah lives in Toronto, Canada. Welcome, Sarah. Welcome. Hi. <laughs> Hello. Thanks for being here. Cool. Um, Thank you for having me. It's so exciting. Yeah. Good. Egg Island is such a great title. Yes. Yeah. It's like immediately I want to know what the hell is happening. Um, yeah. The cover's great. It's we're in now. You have to read a little bit of it to us. The cover is beautiful. Yeah. Okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna start reading from like very close to the beginning. So I'm not gonna provide a ton of context other than in the car ready to go on the adventure <laughs> of a lifetime. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Farms rolled out like sleeping bags on both sides of the road. Every time we passed sheep, I'd say sheep. Every time we passed cows, Colt said milk. Is this your car? I asked him. Is now, Colt answered. Did you tell your boss you were leaving? He's my grandpa. Did you tell your grandpa you were leaving? He'll see I'm not there. He picked some crust from around his eyebrow ring, wiped it on his shirt. Do you have a grandpa, he asked. Yes, I said. Okay, and what are you doing in my car right now? You offered me a ride? But what are you doing? Where are you going? I pointed at some horses coming up on the left. Horses, I said. It was quiet for a moment. What about allergies? Do you have any of those? I don't think I do. You should know if you have an allergy. Well, I don't know. Can you eat peanut butter? Yes. Can you walk up to pretty much any kind of flower and smell it? I think so. He nodded his head as if there were music playing, which there wasn't. 
drummed his hands on the steering wheel. Do you smoke cigarettes, he said. No, me neither, he said, not for real. Hours passed, the sun went down, the forests on either side of us grew thicker and the roads turned rocky and began to wind more and more. There were no houses or street lights for miles, no McDonald's or pit stops, just headlights and black road and some growing car sickness. I thought of all the times I'd been told there was nothing more dangerous than a teenage boy, except of course, a teenage boy with a car. Yet here I was alone in the middle of nowhere with both. Then the turn signal began to click. Cole pulled to the side. He turned off the ignition and turned toward me, mouth agape, a black hole, hair falling over his eyes. He looked like a frightening Muppet. I held my breath, holding the seatbelt buckle. Gotta piss, he said. He opened his door and jumped out. I let go, glanced up at the rear view mirror. At the back end of the car, he faced the ditch and unzipped. I looked away, out at the road ahead, curving sharply out of sight. It can't all be bad, I thought. Maybe he's a nice boy. Then a sudden smack against the window beside me. Cole had both his hands pressed to the glass. I screamed, he screamed back. Please don't, I shouted, hitting the lock on the door. You don't, he shouted back. I struggled with the buckle. Colt laughed. Don't be scared, he said, be normal. I just wanted to tell you something. I moved over to the middle of the car and locked the driver's door too. Colt had backed away now, standing in the ditch. He bent slightly to wave at me through the window. If I wanted to hurt you, I would have opened the back doors by now. I held my beating heart with one hand, rolled the window down a crack with the other. Did you go, I said? Yes. I rolled it down a little more. So let's go, I said. Come see this first. See what, it's dark, just come. I waited, then finally unlocked and opened the door. There's probably like wolves or coyotes or witches out here watching us right now, I said. I'm not afraid of animals, said Colt, or witches. He held out his hand. I took it and he helped me down into the ditch beside him. This way, he said, leading me around to the back of the car. You wanna show me your piss puddle? No. Then he turned around and grabbed hold of my forearms, was trying to pull me onto the road. I screamed and pulled back. What are you doing? I shouted. You're going to throw me in front of a truck? No, of course not. That would be morbidly insane. Headlights lit the trees as a car towing a trailer sped around the curb. I pulled back harder and we both fell into the damp ditch. See, I said, see what? I stood wiping the dirt from my backside. You better not have landed in your piss puddle. He stood up too, then looked both ways and ran out to the center of the road on his own. Okay, come, he said. No, come see, he said. I stood there for a long time, it seemed, waiting for something to change. Nothing changed. Eventually, I took one step onto the road. Once I'd done that, he ran back over to me, grabbed my hand, and pulled me farther out. Let me go, I said. Just look, Jules. Dark was pressing from all sides but up, so I looked up. A pool of Milky Way beamed between the treetops, orange, yellow and white like the end of a bowl of marshmallow cereal. I reached out my other hand instinctively, like I could touch it. Wondrous, right, said Colt. The horn blared and headlights flooded the road again. Still holding me, he hurled us back into the ditch. We fell forward onto our hands and knees, and just as fast as it had appeared, the vehicle was gone. I pushed myself up, went straight for the passenger door. Don't call me Jules, I said. Thank you. I love when you hear a reading and it is so clearly the writing is in the author's like actual voice or like deep within their wheelhouse. The writing doesn't 
sound like a stretch when it's read aloud and mm-hmm. your writing Sarah very much sounds that way it sounds like the world that you created somehow sprung like organically from wherever it is you know you keep the stories that you make up where they come from it just felt like so natural in the best way wow thank you (laughs) that's like a huge compliment I mean I think it takes a long time to get to that place so for sure it's like the the struggle right the struggle to get there Mm. and especially like you um you wrote poetry or you do you write poetry yeah, I wrote a lot more poetry uh, when I was sort of starting out with writing, more like in university and um, when I was a bit younger, I wrote a lot more. And then, I don't, I don't know, like I, I really enjoyed writing poetry. I really enjoyed studying it, but there was something kind of always so serious about it. I started like branching out into writing more like prosaic poems. Mm-hmm. Um, but I found that when I wrote short stories, I had like just a lot more fun in a way, but Mm. the elements are sort of that I enjoy about, you know, story writing and fiction writing and poetry are the same. Like I like, you know, the craftiness of poetry and like rhythm. And so when you're writing fiction, you're really like, you're doing that as well on a sentence level, just you're doing so much more. But I found that in fiction, I had the room for just like more personality and, more fun and humor and playfulness to come out and not that you can't do that in poetry but I just really hadn't (laughs) figured out quite how to do it myself yeah I I so relate to that because I also wrote more poetry in undergrad and actually applied as a poet in my first round of grad school applications um and but it's one of my favorite things when someone who writes poetry goes and then writes um a novel or stories or memoir because it's exactly like you're saying you get to you get to get the the loveliness of the language and imagery in this in this other form um which I just can't get enough of mm-hmm. yeah yeah the, the only downside to it though is with that little bit of a poet's mind you can be quite a like perfectionist about stuff as well mm-hmm. so <laughs> that, mm-hmm. can, uh, that can really slow down the process of writing fiction but mm-hmm. um yeah, you know, I really haven't written any poetry in a long time. My attention turned to fiction and it kind of just stayed there. When in grad school, I did fiction as well. And it's, yeah, it's just been continuing on <laughs> this way. So who are yeah. some poets? Now I'm just going, going, going <laughs> left here. Who are some poets that you can think of that seem like they're having fun? Um, that is a good question. You know, like off the top, of, I'd have to go look at my bookshelves, really. I'd, yeah. I don't. <laughs> I keep thinking of um, Kristen Lukey. Say, say that again. Sorry, I was going to say Mark uh, Leidner. Oh yeah, that's a good one. I, and I was thinking of Kristen Lukey, who hmm. is a Chicago poet. Um, and like you know, her poems are serious, but there's a lot of playfulness and hmm. like humor. And um, I'm thinking of her piece that was in Had, where she it's something about how like no one actually knows what a horse looks like. <laughs> um anyway I just thought like yeah who who what poets out there are just like at the top of their game just like juggling you know just like swallowing a sword having fun (laughs) I feel like I have seen you know I've seen some readings with poets where I feel like oh they're just like delivering punchline after punchline and and they're 
you know, basically they're just stand-up comedians, but with like a lot of flair and like attention to language as opposed mm-hmm. to just like being funny. Yeah. 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 Off the top of my head, I'm drawing a lot of blanks because I don't have the greatest memory in the world. So <laughs> I know every time someone asks me a question like that, I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I've never read a book before. <laughs> Leave me alone. <laughs> Oh, I think like Morgan Parker, she's, she could that's be quite a good funny. one. Yeah, that's definitely a good one. Sarah, where did Egg Island kind of come from? Where, how, how did you arrive at this being your first novel? Were there attempts at a longer project that didn't come to fruition? Or did you have like a previous round of submissions with another, another project? Tell us, tell us a story here. So, uh, so in my grad school I was writing a collection of short stories as my thesis and um, classic yeah (laughs) I love writing short stories like still to this day I think it's probably my favorite thing to write but that's like a sidebar but uh, Egg Island started as like it started as a short story that was a part of that collection um and uh a lot of that short story, it's really just the, most of the beginning of the book. Um, and um, it started as a story. And then my thesis advisor at the time was like, what's with, what's with this story? It's not finished. Um, it wants to be a novel. And I was like, it was time for writing a novel. Um, but uh, what ended up happening was like, it got sort of the idea kind of got in my head there a bit. And then I, um, I don't know, like it all just started to sort of unfold in front of me as I was, as I started sort of plotting it out and imagining it. And it became something I could imagine like a whole thing of like a whole, like from beginning to kind of the end. And um, like all the details in between, all the stops along the way, all the chapters sort of just sort of, they, they happened organically. Like there was a lot of discovering as I wrote it, but yeah, so I don't know, like the, the original story itself was like a, a bit of like a, a challenge. I wanted to write something that sort of started in the middle of things and ended in the middle of things and um, was very minimal and kind of had like a chugging along quality like a car does on a straight road and, and uh, kind of went from there with it. And yeah, I don't know. I mean, like when people ask you guys, like, where does, where did that come from? Like, I, sometimes I, I feel like it just sounds too crazy to be like, I don't know. I heard a voice in my head and I just started like writing it down, but that kind of essentially is what it, it is really. So no, that's the best yeah. when that happens. I don't know if that answers the question or not. Egg Island, like the place or like the, that concept, like I'm going to go to this place, Egg Island, was very literally me kind of just like going on Google Earth and like just giving it a spin and seeing where it kind of went. Oh, wow. Um, so I love that as a prompt. <laughs> there you go. So, yeah, Google Earth. <laughs> <laughs> did Julia yeah. come to you first or did, was Colt there or like who came to you first? Julia came first. And then Colt came about as quickly as it does in the actual book. Like it, it just sort of was like, boom, boom, boom. Like it all just sort of came to, together. I didn't, 
go into it thinking like, oh, I'm going to write a girl meeting a guy at a gas station. They're going to get in a car together and, and go. I wrote, I went into it thinking I'm going to write a girl walking down a road and we don't know where she's come from and we don't know yet where she's going. And um, the, like the, it just sort of went from there. So I don't know. <laughs> yeah. What was it like? Was it a fast first draft and then, you know, revising after that? Or like, what was the actual process like? Yeah, it was a very, I think I remember that being a very fast first draft. With the stories at, that I were writing at the time, they were very, very short stories. And uh, so they would kind of already be pretty like, like, like they wouldn't, when I felt like, okay, this is here, I've got a voice or I've got like, uh, like a formal thing I want to try or something, I would pretty much be able to sit and, and do it right away as long as I got into the flow of it. Mm -hmm. um, and the, the writing in Egg Island is pretty like minimal and short. So it was, it was a really quick, quick go. And then, yeah, it was some revising as a story, but not what, what's there now that's in the novel has been changed, not drastically, but like here, you know, like bits and pieces have been changed. So um, yeah novel had a lot more reflecting than the story ever did but <laughs> of course yeah. yeah what was that process like once the book sold did the book sell quickly did you did you guys go out to a lot of places with it and then how did how how was that process for you the book didn't sell quickly the book was too short originally there was um it's very very short as this is like barely meets the word count uh for publishers to be like okay we'll do it um so it was too short and it needed some fleshing out which in the end I'm very happy that this happened but like I started this book six over six years ago now so it's quite old to me and um there was some sending it out to some agents and some publishers and getting like a little bit of feedback here and there and a lot of rejection and then um one agent I pitched it to was very excited about but about the concept read the first little bit and was like I'll take you on board but I think that there's you're going to need to work on it some more and I got very lucky because my thesis advisor from university who had worked with me on the story collection um, was like oh you did go and turn it into a novel after all he was working as an acquisitions editor at Dundurn and uh he said, you know, if you work with me a little bit and we can get the word count up and we can fix some of the issues going on here, then I'll, I'll, uh, I'd be happy to, to take it to the board and, and, you know, try to push it through. And he did. So, um, so it really was about six years of trying to get this book to a, you know, from beginning to end wow. yeah, to, to today. So, yeah. <laughs> What were you doing? Were you doing other writing in the meantime while you were trying to get this out mm -hmm. in the world? Yeah, a lot of story writing. And um, I tried writing a play and uh, started another novel, which I'm still working on. And then the editing process of Egg Island, a lot of that happened actually over the pandemic. So I kind of got lucky. So, um, and then that took some time. And yeah, I mean, also a lot of just like life happening in, in, in that period of time as well but yeah there was there was some other stuff going on yeah a lot of stories I think 
Do you think you'll make a collection? Yeah, I do. I have a bunch together that I would like to sell as a collection. Um, we'll see if that happens or not. Story collections are pretty tricky sell. I mean, I don't know what the what it's like um, in the states or in Chicago in particular, but up here in Canada, story collections are hard to sell. <laughs> oh yeah, it's or, yeah, yeah. It's it's not it's not easy here either. Um, I would say like in the small presses, it's a lot more open, but in general, they want to know oh, I also am working on a novel, you know? Yeah, yeah. sure. There needs to be like that promise of, <laughs> I feel like uh, a lot of times it's like, yeah, okay, we maybe maybe we'll take the collection, we'll take a look, but uh, let's let's take a look at the novel first here. Yeah. Just, uh, yeah, it's, what what is the difference, would you say, if you have a sense, I don't know how much time you spent down here in the States doing, you know, events uh, or just, gone to readings or anything in the past is the i mean what is the canadian what is the, the lit scene up in toronto like in toronto well i haven't been to anything down in the states so um can't compare but up here in toronto uh i would say that it is pretty it's pretty vibrant i'm not super into going to too many readings nowadays as I, I used to be when I was in university, I was going out a lot more and I was doing a lot more too, like especially poetry, I was reading a lot. And, you know, there are all kinds from like very, like very established reading series down to like cool, you know, this kicks off at 11 o'clock at night. And then we also you know, have a lot of like a dance party after kind of oh like <laughs> things like that. And, um, uh, yeah, the, the, the small presses here are pretty good, pretty, they put out pretty good stuff. Um, the one that Egg Island is on, is like a new imprint. Dundurn is kind of like a medium-sized press, and uh, I think they've put out like such a great roster of books this past, this is their first year really, and it's like they've gotten a Giller nomination, which is a big prize up here, and some other nominations, and um, yeah, I, it's pretty good. I think it's pretty good. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. I just, I always see like my only exposure to what the scene is like is like occasionally I'll see references on Twitter to like can lit. And I'm like, you know, it always like takes me a sec. I'm like, wait, what are we talking about? Oh, yeah. Okay. Right. right, right got it. Can lit. All right. But uh, Toronto seems like such, I've, I've been once and it actually reminded me a ton of Chicago, um, more cosmopolitan maybe. But just I love Toronto <laughs> I would go back there in a heartbeat yeah I would love to visit Chicago it's definitely on my list um and just haven't made it over there yet but understandable Toronto is like I I imagine yeah I imagine the sensibility is somewhat the same yeah it's a very cool city um I love it like it's, it's home to me it's definitely like any major city not without its issues and whatnot but um down on a street level and uh, you really like feel a sense of community and so in the arts here as well you can really form a good community around you and you know that you, you make it what it is right like mm -hmm. so yeah <laughs> yeah I was trying to tell my students something similar um last weekend where they're just kind of like you know like what do I do to get where I want to be and I was just kind of like you just have to make your own <laughs> opportunities <laughs> you just have to like 
get in, you know, get into the scene and Mm -hmm. like make it, make it what you want it. Or, but even, I mean, I think Sarah's story about how egg Island was acquired is a really good one to take in. If you're a young writer or someone trying to maybe form some connections. And I mean that not in the cynical definition of connections, but you know, a lot of times it's just, if, if you encounter someone who is genuinely supportive of your work or you feel like, you know, you get just, if you just have a good feeling about someone and the, and the way they're treating your work and treating you, a lot of times those people come back and they impact you in different ways. And it's, it's really hard to know initially who's going to make Mm-hmm. an impact in your writing life just as it is every other part of life I don't mean this is some big piece of wisdom but it's just so true you just don't know who is going to impact your you know your st- a story getting published here or there or your or you know a, a, getting an agent because they know another buddy of yours or you know your book getting picked up by an old teacher of yours who, who loved your shorter work whatever it may be every book acquisition story has some kind of strange turn like that where it's like oh god cool i'm glad i stayed in touch with whoever or whatever it may be absolutely it's very true i am not the kind of i'm a very shy person so i'm not a very like networky type of person in general and um so yeah so when you ask about like what's the toronto community like i'm like well, I have my group of friends <laughs> like, from the outside looking in. I think it's cool from, from up here on the stage where I'm reading. It seems like, oh, there's a lot going on. Right. Um, but but those connections are so important. So it's like so important to stay open, uh, to stay open to people. And like, yes. if you get that sense, if you get that sense that there's like some kind of like simpatico feeling here like okay like they get what I'm doing or I really like what they're doing right we might have a similar aesthetic we might have a similar sense of humor it's good to just keep you know like keep in touch and absolutely make an effort to to read each other's work and get to know each other and whatnot because that's how you sort of form your little niche community and you guys can help each other and right yeah Yeah, like I just got also got so lucky you know like just it worked out that I went to that school and that year and had that teacher in that year. Mm-hmm. Like, and you know, so. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Maybe it's That's all the awesome. universe. You know? yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> did you have, did you have a text that you were like thinking about or that helped you either when you were drafting or editing Sarah, where you were like, all right. Like if you were making decisions and you were like, God, I wonder how, you know, whatever writer like gets out of chapters or I'm curious like how you know did you have stuff that was like a real touchstone for you as you were working on egg island yeah yeah yes and yes and no (laughs) yeah no I think yeah yeah no like little bits and pieces of advice that almost become like little mantras in your mind as you're mm-hmm. writing that I've picked up along the way. Um, and definitely like, as I was reading, or sorry, as I was writing and I was reading a lot of coming of age books to you know, get, you know, get them the form and, and just trying to stay open to like, like reading more minimalist type of writing. Um, but 
texts in particular, I mean, I don't, I don't know. Um, I reached out to you to actually write the blurb because your books were, I was like, there's like an onion quality to these. I mean, like I'm keep peeling back the layers and I end up in a place I didn't start at. Oh, wow. um, and I'm like, how did that, but it just, it was logically got there somehow. Like that sort of <laughs> stuck in my mind. So That's such um, a great way of describing that. That's awesome. Yeah. And yeah, well, um, my partner was like, he's also a writer and he told me, you know, like every line you write, keep it intentional. Like, mm. Keep everything that you say intentional. And so like, I try to, to keep that in mind. Um, and yeah, I don't know if that. That's no, that's question. great. I mean, I think sometimes, you know, I've had stuff I've worked on where I very much was thinking of, you know, like, okay, what would, if this book was something happened by Joseph Heller, what would, how would he right. get out of this or whatever it may be? And I've had other stuff. Actually, I think the, the next novel is like this, where I may have had like an inciting group of of novels or whatever it may be that inspired it but it was less that way when I was within the text making decisions and I think that you know either way is completely valid obviously but I think sometimes it's so interesting to look back and think just what you were saying too it's like no I really didn't a lot of the time a lot of time you know I was just kind of <laughs> doing my own thing it's a lot of just like listening to the voices in your yes, head <laughs> a right lot of just like having the characters talk to each other and like uh you know really when and then going back and during the editing process of them like really asking yourself like what would the character truly say what it what's what lines are just my voice what line is not quite on point with their voice and then I also have this my own little like mantra that I've sort of developed over time where it's like with every line that you write beyond it being intentional I was like how can I make this weirder so mm. I just try to you know like up the ante when I'm editing too so yeah just little nuggets of wisdom I've picked up over time mm -hmm. more so than like I think actual books um but sometimes it's books that provide that little nugget of wisdom like you know sideways kind of way mm -hmm. so. the section kind of towards the middle it's like I marked it. I loved it so much when I was rereading for tonight, especially caught me. There's the scene on 56 where Julia actually fires the gun. And I just was like, it, it felt like such an incredible moment in the novel because a lot of it, a lot of the, what is going on in, in egg Island is, I feel like there's a kind of, there's a very real search. There's a literal search, but then there's also, you know, like a more existential search going on. And it's that same way with a lot of the threats that are present in the book. Some of them are right in your face. A lot of it is issues of mischaracterization or misunderstanding, but then to have that moment of like actual, actual surprise and violence enter Julia's world, it made me really excited for, the next thing you write too, because I feel like there's like an even darker layer to your work that could come out, Sarah. And I was like, Oh my God, I feel like Sarah could write the scariest book imaginable from that, from that little section there. That's funny. I don't, yeah. I, I often think like I probably I could, it's just, it's one of those like um, 
journeys of self-discovery I need to go on where I get to the point where I feel brave enough to do it <laughs> so we'll find out <laughs> how, <laughs> find out how violent I can truly get it's like the least violent look it's 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 I appreciate you pointing it out it's like super tame compared to like so much of you know what could oh. have happened or what could be out there and um yeah that was one of the main criticisms of the book when I was like going through the editorial process was just like the threat isn't like there's not a huge sense of threat there's just like a lot of whimsy <laughs> like and I that's yeah. I mean yeah if that I I love the book as is of course I don't I did not mean any of that in the pejorative. I just think that it's so wonderful to have that bit of a, a barbed section there in the middle. It's like, oh, Jesus, the gun did come off. Here we go. Yeah. Well, I mean, and truly the story that has kind of a darkness to it. It is kind of like a messed up story at the core. You know, I think it's just covered in a lot of... Um, well, it's told from the perspective of like a very young teenager. So it's, it's right. that's the perspective that we're in. You don't necessarily, well, it's not true, but I was going to say you don't necessarily see the world as such a dark place when you're a teenager, but that's, you know, it really can be at times. It's just, I don't know. Yeah. You're definitely not aware of all the danger around you so much no. when you're a teenager. You really do feel like you're invincible I don't know if you have like the same thing we have here where like teenage boys auto insurance costs more like there's a premium and as mm -hmm. an adult now I completely understand that <laughs> so yeah you touched on this a little bit but the way that um the characters talk to each other specifically Julia and Colt is so unique um it's almost like like storytelling like they're telling each other these stories so there's like always like a an underlying something that they're conveying with what they're saying to each other I just wanted to hear from you like like how you got their voices how did how did you like nail how, what they would sound like talking to each other um yeah that's a good question I get a lot of I get a lot of comments about the dialogue which to me came that came after it was published and I was like oh this like the dialogue is apparently interesting I think that I I think Colt's voice in particular um he was such a fully formed character for me Julia took more discovery mm -hmm. and uh uh more fleshing out in a way as I was trying to write her and her voice um which is like it's the whole book is written in her voice so like mm -hmm. <laughs> those are the, the struggles that we had there but Colt's voice in particular he was so uh he was so fully formed to me and really I felt like when I was writing him it was to make myself laugh a lot of the time like mm -hmm. I would literally be laughing at myself as I was writing because he was just so um he was so straight and and not realizing he was funny and it was just like it was such a fun place to play with like the possibilities of what he could potentially say and then when you have someone like that the the person that they're they're bouncing off of can only react and respond in a certain way too and over time um as it happens 
they start to get a rapport. So they end up developing like this special way of talking to each other Mm -hmm. because of that. So I, I think to answer the question that a lot of the dialogue and um the strength behind it comes from from Colt, <laughs> the character Colt's dialogue, I think. Uh, me trying to make myself laugh. <laughs> so. Yeah, it's like they like they know each other immediately on some level. Mm-hmm. So it makes it makes it a little special. I guess maybe if I am sitting there writing and it's like I'm in the conversation talking to Colt and really thinking yeah yeah i'm really thinking through like how are we going to keep this this going this like what am i going to say to you how are you going to react like i'm really engaging with an imaginary person on a deep level Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah 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 it's a very strange it's a whole it's a very strange thing i know like you guys go through this as well it's just it feels so strange to spend so much time connecting with and developing like such a deep relationship with people that don't exist so um but i i do think that that's what's required to really get a really connective dialogue (laughs) yeah for sure i think i've i've only ever like had the experience of missing my characters with the novel that failed on submission (laughs) but i had that feeling of like oh man you know i uh like i'm done with them that sucks yeah yeah i miss colt still i love him i love talking about him i like bringing him up (laughs) like yeah um, you know julia has her own uh good and bad qualities and oftentimes quite annoying qualities to me as a writer as well her voice is probably very similar to my to mine um so it's it's a lot of like hearing yourself talk a lot Um, (laughs) but then also like the added layer of like I need to write a teenage girl and it can just be kind of annoying and so like I don't you know I, I really loved her but I don't really miss her that much but Colt I miss writing that was fun (laughs) yeah time for a sequel yeah i don't know <laughs> all my male characters from this point are just gonna be like total weirdos it's like <laughs> well that's accurate to life so that's fine sarah thank you so much for coming on tonight and spending some time talking about your brilliant novel egg island yeah thank you so much for having me this is amazing I love talking with Sarah, um, her debut egg Island that we just talked with her about is exactly what I said on the back cover of the book. Let me read it to you. Yes. Read your blurb. In her first outing, Flemington reads like a novelist, several books in her career. She writes sharp, stark, angular prose that will have you laughing. I think they cut an expletive out of there, which was a good, (laughs) good choice. (laughs) and anyone who knows me in real life knows that I reserve the word angular for only the things that I love the absolute most. And so this book is one of them, Sarah, great work. Thank you for coming on. Awesome. Damn. That's a good blurb. Thank you. It was angular. 
Mm-hmm. Angular. The only thing I have is I just read Ling Ma's Bliss Montage. I oh, yeah. You have the event on Tuesday, right? I am. T- well, it doesn't matter because this is going to post like way after that. But no, right. I just um, I haven't read a short story collection. I mean, aside from what we do for the show mm-hmm. um, in a long time. And I absolutely fucking loved it. And I find myself thinking like, wait, what movie was that? What what movie am I thinking about? And I'm like, oh shit, it's actually one of Ling Ma's new stories that I'm thinking about. That's amazing. Um, they're so her, <laughs> so atmospheric and just bizarre. And like, I can't wait to talk to her about endings, mm. um, which yeah. are not actually endings. Yeah. So uh, that comes out, dude, that comes out September 13th. So it'll be out by oh, the time you guys days. hear this. Yep. Awesome. So not that anyone, not that she needs me to recommend this to anyone, um, but it's amazing. That's awesome. Uh, cool. That's awesome. Well, we did it and have a great night, bud. You too. Bye. Bye. I'm a writer, but is recorded by Alex Hickley and me, Lindsay Hunter in our respective basements. Editing by Lindsay Hunter. Music by Max Loop. Yeah, yeah.